0: We're glad you're listening.
1: One of the most memorable nights I have seen looking up in the sky was on a mountaintop in Jamaica. My wife and I lived in Indiana for three years, and the church we went to continued to go to the same place on the island for a missions trip. And this isn't the place that you would vacation to for sure. This was the part of the island where they would shut off water to the whole mountain so they could give water to the ganja
0: fields. This was destitute. But there was this one night we were sitting on the porch and it was hot. We were
1: playing Dutch Blitz because I introduced our Hoosier kids to the the delicacies of of our area. And then one leader came in and said, guys, you got to come see this. So we all kind of like file out of our place. We had electricity at this time, so we were grateful, but We stepped away, and we all just kind of stood there, and, and we're just kind of standing like, what? And he's like, guys, look up at the sky. And standing on that mountaintop in Jamaica, staring up under a part of the hemisphere that, you know, I just hadn't been to, and as people are looking up, there's this, like, silent awe going up. And as I'm looking up, as I'm breathing deep, my eyes are just soaking it in heavenward. All I can think of is this one resounding word, meh.
0: <laughs> I wasn't
1: impressed. I don't know, like, okay, is that weird? So I'm there and like, they're saying this is an amazing sky and I've been like, guys, and I didn't say this out loud because I didn't want to ruin the moment like I just did now. I, I, I said,
0: guys, in my heart, I said, I've seen better in Indiana. I've seen the Aurora Borealis in Indiana. Like, I, have
1: you ever been to Maine? <laughs> You go to Maine, you see the Milky Way like coursing through the sky. It was in that moment I looked up and I was like, ah, I don't get it. Now, as we're talking about art, there are a lot of people here who feel that same way. You ever ever that one person who's super artsy and they're showing you something they're super excited about and you just kind of go, meh, I don't really get it. There are people who are wired for art. And can I just say in Renew, we have a higher artist per capita than like any other church in the nation. We all know that, right? Like that gallery, yeah, that gallery we had is literally just pulled out of our closet. I was talking to Doug. I was like, do we have any art stuff around? He's like, oh, do we have art stuff? Because we have artists everywhere. And I get to preach on this. This is just a crime. But at any rate, we're talking about engaging through art. And some of you, you say, you know what? I, uh, I don't get it there might be a reason for it. Sometimes there's a little cynicism that crumbles in with art. And do you know why? It's because of some of the artists. Can I show you some pieces of art? This one, this first one here is
0: called Blood Red Slots by Gerhard Richter. Now, this is a mirror painted red, and that's it. (laughs) Sold for
1: 1.1 million dollars. This is art. Next, some of you have this art in your very own home. This is called My Bed. This is not a joke. This is art. 1998. <laughs> uh, a British artist created this in 1998, and it was, um, it was displayed at the Tate Gallery, and it, it, it was, it, th- this won prizes. Some of you didn't realize you have little artists in your home every time you walk into their room. Like, hey, don't cipher. By making them clean. That is art. All right, next. This one is called Orange, Red, Yellow by Mark Rothko. Now, listen, this one's kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. Okay, this one I would put up in my house, and it, you know, especially if it fills a nice space and matches what we have. But I'm not buying, you know, I'd probably pay 100 bucks for this, right? $86 million. I'm just saying. Oh, and we move further. This is the final one I'll show you. This is called the Museum of the Non-Visible Art. <laughs> All right, so like, I did a nice, nice Google dive into stuff, and after I put this in my presentation, as I'm going through, I'm like, hold on a second. Am I getting set up here? This can't be true. I go to the website. This is a real place. You can go there, pay to enter, to see art that is not on the wall. It unleashes your imagination. Now, as I'm thinking through this, it's actually kind of brilliant, okay? Like, it's step one being an artist. Like, So at first I was like, this is ridiculous, and then I'm like, oh my word, I need to go there. This is great. (laughs) They give you the title, and then you have to look at this blank canvas and picture it. Isn't that what an artist does? So some here you might have that same skepticism, but as we enter into this, even if you're not an artist, even if it's not your thing, I believe that God has something to can unlock through engaging in the art, even if you're convinced it's not for you. I'm going to do my best uh, Italian pronunciation, Benedito Croce. He says this, and this is an important quote. He says, art is ruled uniquely by the imagination. Read that slowly. It says, images are its only wealth. It does not classify objects. It does not pronounce them real or imaginary, does not qualify them, does
0: not define them. And here's the big part of this. It feels and presents. Isn't that beautiful? Folks, for the rest of our time today, we're going to be talking about how God
1: as an artist presents. And then we're going to talk about how we can glean truth from that presentation. So let's open up our time. I'm gonna offer this to the Lord to see if we can gain a deeper understanding of who he is. Uh, So Lord,
0: we're here. (laughs) Some of us artists, some of us not. But we're eager to hear from you. And I pray that you will show up in an amazing way. It's in your name, amen. So if we're talking about how God presents
1: It's hard for me to not start at the very beginning. The sound of music tells us it's a very good place to start. We go to Genesis 1. Do you understand that the very first action of God is as a creator? You see, in the beginning, God created. There's something there. Like, as you look at Genesis 1, this is an artist making the whole cosmos to be. So as we see first, God is an artist. He takes verse two, where the earth was formless and void. Kind of imagine like like a lump of clay. And then he starts to form and make and distribute and turn it into something beautiful that we have nowadays. In fact, I want to show you a piece of aboriginal art that depicts the seven days of creation. Now This is fascinating. So I stumbled upon this. This is by I'm gonna get the name wrong, Sapphira, I believe, uh, to give her credit here, you can see her watermark there. But she captures the aboriginal art here. But have you ever slowed down and thought about the seven days of creation? Let's move it to six, right? Like the last day was resting, there wasn't a ton of creative work, or was there? That's a different sermon. But up here, do you notice something about days
0: one through three? Do you notice something about days four through six? Take a look at that first picture up there. This first one is day one, when God spoke and he created light. Day two, sky and the water. Day three, dry land, plants. Do you see what's happening?
1: God is creating three canvases with which to create. Now, day one breaks down a little bit because when he creates light, some people suppose that, is that the day that the laws of nature were created? Is that the day when space was put out there? Is When he says, Let there be light, and this, here's another bender, you ready? How is there light without sun, moon, and stars till day four? Well, if you read in Revelation, you'll see that. Uh, in Revelation, when we reach the end, that God is light and there's no sun or need of that. As you go on and you see that each of these three days is a canvas with which the artist creates on the canvas. We jump to day four. You see the sun, moon, and stars? He's placing them in space. We see in day five, you have the birds and you have the fish in the sea. What he did on day two, that canvas, he starts to place it and put it. And then on day six,
0: on the land and the plants, he starts to put humanity. He puts animals. He puts the crown jewel of creation in Adam and Eve.
1: You see, as an artist, he created, and each day he stepped back and he evaluated.
0: He said, "Oh, that's Day two. Oh, that's good." By the time he got to after creating humanity, he said, "That's very." Folks, when we look into.
1: Genesis 1:26 the image of God we see that humanity
0: is the most pivotal point that he created god is an artist and because of extension through adam and eve his proudest work is you folks that's what the creation account screams you're more important than animals
1: you bear the attributes of god on his likeness that's what this means God is an artist whose proudest work is you. We see this in Psalms 139 and 13 when he says, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Do you see that imagery? Imagine in the womb, knit
0: together with purpose, with beauty, with character. You're gonna blossom. to see the image of God slowly coming out. He's a good artist. So if the good artist made you, you must be pretty special. Second thing I want you to see is that God is an artist who invites us to create with him. How many here,
1: uh, I better double check actually, no one here is named Bezalel, right? No one's name in here? Okay, anyone thinking of naming their son Bezalel? Because it's a stellar name, you know, just could be a really good one. Yo bez. Well, listen, many of you might be like, I may not have even heard of this guy. In fact, I don't know that this is something that you really hear of too often. But God is an artist inviting others to create, tagged in Bezalel in an amazing way. The people of Israel, the Hebrews, were sent out of Egypt and they were sent into the desert trying to figure out how to connect with God, how to be his people. And then God, in the book of Exodus, he has four chapters on how to build the tabernacle. Now, some of you know the temple. That was the permanent physical structure built by Solomon, and we're 300 years before that. He said, God says, well, I want you to build the tabernacle, my temporary dwelling. And he goes on for three chapters. Now, imagine Moses getting all of this. The dude's barely holding it together as he is, Right. Dude, stressed to the max. He's like, these people are nuts, okay? And then all of a sudden, God's like, I want you to build me something awesome. There are gonna be cubits. You're gonna be out there measuring. There's gonna be this thing over here. There's gonna be an altar over here, all of this. And Moses is there, and he's like, wow, how's this gonna get done? And then God says this in Exodus 31. This is brilliant. Check this out. This is how much God cares about art, about details. The Lord said to Moses, "See, I have called by name Bezalel. There he is. See, the son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, work in gold, silver, bronze, cutting stones, carving wood, everything. Can I ask you something? How many people were filled in the Old Testament?" Now, we live in an age where the spirit is poured out generously on us. But God said, hey, this is so important. I'm going to make sure my spirit comes upon this dude so he gets it right. How fascinating is it that of the few people in the Old Testament who were spirit-filled, one of them is Bezalel, And God says, I need my spirit to direct your hands, to carve, to make this meeting place
0: brilliant. One of the few spirit-filled people of the Old Testament. Folks, God takes this seriously. God is showing us in craftsmanship, there's
1: importance. In fact, if you read the book of Exodus, 10 chapters are filled to the building of the tabernacle. Four chapters describe how to do it, six of it, how it went. And it gets a little dry reading, but this is what it screams to me.
0: This is important because imagine being Bezalel at the end once God's spirit fills the tabernacle. Place that he built, that he labored, that he hung this curtain as he carved the wings of the seraphim where God's presence would dwell. It's incredible. It's because God invites us to create with him. The last thing I'll show you about this actually takes us to the New Testament. In Ephesians 2,
1: it says this, and I find this fascinating. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, I'm gonna stop right here. You can probably finish it, ready? I want you to say it with me, ready? One, two, three. For grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, you may have that memorized, do you know what the
0: follow-up is? What you were saved to do. It says this, for we are his workmanship.
1: Now, is that a part of your normal day vocabulary? Probably not. But if we are God's workmanship, if you slow down and dig into that, the Greek has a lot of fun things we can play around with this. The Greek word is poema, where we get the word poem.
0: See where that's going? Basically, what this is saying is, you are the product of God's hand.
1: All right, folks, like, that that's pretty cool imagery right there. Like, when you go to, like, King James workmanship, you might lose it. But basically saying, the great artist, poof, there you are. And there's some debate. So this is the fun thing of how should we define this word? You'll find some of the the theologians who will say, well, uh, you can't call it masterpiece. There's a lot of people who want to say, this, is, this word means masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. And some, some of the theologians will say, well, that's, that's a little, uh, you know, over the top. We should really say, like, the product.
0: But then I come in and say, is there anything God makes that is not glorious? Yes, the word literally means product. You're the product of his hand. But it's the artist
1: behind it that ascribes your value. And as you go through, it doesn't mean you're just a cool person that should sit on that. It says, "You were created for good work, prepared beforehand. Do you crafted? You were made with talents, abilities, passions that
0: God wants to use for good works." Why? To build the kingdom? You were handcrafted to co-create the kingdom of God with God. That's pretty special. As we're going through this, we see how God presents. Know that God's
1: fingerprints are all over it. Some of you enjoy nature a ton. That's because, as Psalms 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God because he's the artist that tells to us. He presents. So hopefully that gives you the motivation to act in those artistic abilities. Now we're going to start moving to to figuring out how we glean truth. I'm going to ask you a question I want you to share with the neighbor next to you. Are you ready?
0: Is the value of art more to the creator of it or the observer of it? Is there more
1: value in art of the creator having something, getting it out, or
0: The person who comes along and observes it, which is the greater value? Ready? Discuss. All right. Now, as the wheels are turning here, I want to let you in on a little project I worked on. Well, let me say this I
1: came up with the idea three weeks ago and gave it to other people to do this project. The idea is this. If I were to give you the title of the art, what would you create? And because, as I've said, we've had so many people sit in seats who are artistically minded, it was not hard to do. I said, the title of your work is The Steadfastness of God. Why that topic? I don't know. It was just nice. I wanted to see what people would create just from that title. So I want to take you through what the people of Renew have submitted under the title, The Steadfastness of God. This first one up, in fact, I'm not even going to color this with any commentary. I'm going to tell you that these are the pieces that have been submitted in various forms.
0: We have things from wood carving to Photoshop to collage slash paint to express untruth that God is steadfast. Five artistic expressions. Now this
1: one here, this one was not done by someone in Renew, but I want you to take 30 seconds. This one is entitled, The Steadfastness of God. And we're gonna discuss it in a second. I want you to share to the next
0: person, how is that true in this painting? Discuss. Okay. I want to tell you what I see. So I'm taking a look at this painting, and it's pretty brilliant. I feel like I see a woman who looks upset, looks like she's crying, maybe
1: in the front of her door, or maybe it's inside her house and outside, I I don't know. But then, um, but then we have someone just standing there with an umbrella. I don't. Think the umbrella fits the timepiece of the rest of it, but that's what kind of makes it brilliant. And I start to think to myself, okay, is that God standing there? Is God standing there with the umbrella? And does that represent how he's the protection and he's always there, like the steadfast presence of God? She's upset. I don't know what's on the ground here. It almost looks like, I almost picture like a rose that's been like torn apart. Was that the first rose? Her Husband gave her and now he's betrayed her and now she broke that apart and she's broken, but God's still there. I don't know, like, this is the kind of stuff
0: you do this deep dive into and this artist had something going on and is representing this. Can I tell you that this is a, this is a piece done by Dolly, not Salvador Dolly, the AI generator. I know. You're
1: like, I just feel lied to. Me too. <laughs> Listen, I went
0: to this website, and I said, painting of the steadfast God. And this is what it turned out.
1: And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, oh, my word, I'm having this deep connection to God through a robot painting? But there's something about art that, yes, even something that is computer-generated can point us towards God as long as it's the truth. I've been, I've been really messed up with this thing for two weeks, okay? Like, it was the background of my phone. I had to change it because I was like, I can't look at this anymore. Like, to my knowledge, I do not believe. I, so people who know art might say, like, dude, this is like an actual painting. You're just ridiculous. But I don't know what's happening here. But it's something where the software gathers a bunch of images on that topic and presents something. <laughs> they give you four images. One of them was this like crazy looking Hindu thing. And I was like, well, that's not the steadfastness i God, got. But this one here, I, it blew my mind. And it begs the question, is the value of art in the creator or the receiver? And as long as it is exposing God's truth, I guess you got to say both. I guess you got to say both. So some of you here, you're saying, okay, this is kind of a fun little exercise. I want to go deeper into this. Some of you are very visual. I would say most people are visual. And once you have a picture and you have a thought connected to it, that can lock it in for ages. But some of you don't know where to look. Some of you say, "I look at some paintings like I Google Image," like "Jesus, Bible." It's all stuff I've seen before. I want to give you some tips how to go deeper into this, four different areas of connecting art. To expand your spiritual walk with Christ, okay? Here's the first one. Let's throw these pictures up. The first one is to do a deep dive into the catacombs. Now, if you're not familiar with the catacombs, this is around uh, the early church when they had to go underground, when they were being flushed out, when they were being persecuted, spending a lot of time in hiding. You see, the people of the catacombs would create this magnificent art and there are so many layers you can find to it. For example, this bottom right here, you have the alpha and the omega. That shows up a lot during the early church as a symbol. In fact, talking about my tattoo, it's right there. The key row, one of the earliest church symbols, the first two letters of Christ. There's so much significance. The Jesus fish, I'm not gonna tell you like the, the significance of the Jesus fish. Go look into it because it's fascinating to learn all of this. You'll see that in the catacomb works, you you find a lot of, let me get the names right here. You see a lot of um, uh, Daniel, Lazarus, the paralytic, Noah, a lot of stories of rescue. You see the woman suffering with bleeding who just wanted to touch the hem of Jesus' garment.
0: You see up here, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it's haunting. It's a haunting picture. This is the kind of
1: stuff that when I look at this, I realize my faith is built on a lot of brave men and women who sacrificed everything. I look at this art, and I wonder if I have what it takes to live underground for the purpose of following Jesus. And that the same stories that gave them faith can give me faith. Folks, if you want to do a historical dive, start looking into the art of the catacomb. It's brilliant. Next thing is this, we're going to the poor man's Bible, stained glass. Now, a lot of us, we say, if you want to connect to God, read your Bible. What would you do in a day where most people were illiterate? Stained glass is how they taught people in church how to picture the stories. In fact, this one over here on the far left, let me get these these facts right here. Uh, This is the Canterbury Cathedral. I mean, we're going back to the 13th century. Can you imagine art from the 1200s? How many people have been taught from this, have been shown the story? You have uh, here Jesus on a boat on the bottom. Like each of these things you go through, there's a different story illustrated to help them understand the depths of their faith. I just love it. There's so much you could do going into the story behind the pieces of stained glass. Do a deep dive on that. Now this next one, this third one of the four. Yes. Paintings. Deep dive into paintings. I want to show you this painting here. I want you to just sit with it for 30 seconds and notice what you can. Now this right here, it's a cool painting. But when you deep, when you do a deep dive into the background of it, there's so much depth that gives it even more. Can I take you on a little journey? This here is called Christ of St. John of the Cross. In fact, if we can go to the next slide, there's some important pictures on here. This was done by Salvador Dali. You might recognize the picture up here. Dali is a surrealist. Means his pictures, super weird. (laughs) Not done in reality, but always magnificent. In fact, he got so much criticism because this was outside of his style. This was way too real. People were like, what are you doing? This isn't you. But this guy right here grew up Catholic, went hard into atheism, and then sometime around the creation of this, around 1950, started to get back into faith. And this is an expression of him coming back to the faith. In fact, the connection to this painting is with St. John of the Cross down here in the 16th century. St. John of the Cross created something up here, as you see on the right. This is just like a a two-and-a-half-inch little drawing that he made. But it's still preserved and it's still important because the angle of this right here is just bizarre. You never see crucifixions that are looking, you know, like up here at this angle. And in fact, some people say that's the only only person who could see that angle of Jesus is God the Father. Notice how his body is slumped, how his chest is collapsed, how his legs are giving out. This is after he has given up his spirit, the exaggerated nails holding him there, but also in a weird angle. These are the things that if you don't slow down and notice, you'll miss.
0: But this was the inspiration for Dali to create this painting right here. In fact, he says he had a cosmic dream in 1950. And when he
1: created this, he based it off of the nucleus of the atom. The unity of the universe is Christ. So if you notice here, it's the same slumping motion as this one over here. And there's some, there's some things that are so fascinating about this. Notice this is a crucifixion. Where's the blood? Notice
0: it's a crucifixion. There's no nail. Nothing's holding him on the cross. A, notice his body, super healthy. Gives a picture of maybe this is the restored picture of Christ.
1: Now, this next part, I didn't see this anywhere, so it might be a leap, but if you notice the shadows, oh, I'm sorry, if we can go back real quick, sorry. If you notice the shadow up there, is it the same angle as up here in the sense of that's like God's view, that angle coming down? Is God the Father the light? I don't know, like this is what art can do. And as you go to the next picture, uh, This is something that was very important to him, to have the triangle in there to represent the Trinity
0: and the circle to represent everlasting life. And then if we go to that last picture, notice
1: that this is in the sky over the fishermen, obvious call to go to all the nations. As you see the the line in the background, you see the distant lands where the gospel needed to be taken forward by fishermen. Folks, this is the kind of stuff that when we can connect to God's truth and we can have it pictured, we can keep coming back. I challenge you, if you do a deep historical dive into paintings, you're going to love it. You're going to get a deeper understanding. Here's the final thing. I asked permission from Doug. I was like, is this art? I think so. The last one, I challenge you to give The Chosen a chance. Do you guys like The Chosen? Yeah you don't know. These guys showed up in Texas to be a part of it. Listen, when I watch the Chosen, there are questions I'm walking away with, or I'm like, I never thought of that. Oh my word! Did these two sets of brothers like just have skirmishes outside of Jesus's sight? Like were they like fist fighting? All this kind of stuff. All of the overlapping. This is art to give us representation of the Bible to experience it on a new level, folks. Motion picture can be art too, and it can give you a deeper understanding. So all of that to say. Art's cool, amen? (laughs) Your heavenly father is an artist and he created you to create with
0: him. So to do that effectively, be sure to connect. Let's pray as we continue with our time. God, we've gone through a lot.
1: This is amazing stuff. And God, you've wired some people so amazing to just portray your truth. And we just pray that you will Open up new lines of communication for us that we can experience a freshness, that we can see things in a new light and just have attention to detail and just slow down. Just pray that you'll be with us going away from this space. Pray that there will be an image that sticks with us that points us to Jesus. It's in your name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.